0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: The following big interview was posted in full for our socios, our members, our supporters at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter last season, which, in case you've forgotten, was 2018-19. Sign up there and you get these extra interviews 12 months in advance of everybody else and who doesn't like to be ahead of the game. You'll have bonus content as well and a more interactive experience in general. For the rest of you, here's what the socios were listening to this time last year. I'd firmly anticipate um, that this is the first and last time that a big interview guest um, went to the same school as me, grew up in the same village as me, drunk in the same pub at Hogmay as I did. The generations separate us a little bit and... It's not because of Side Boys taking over the world that Sean Maloney is our guest. It's because he was an extremely good footballer, somebody who gave you value for money every time you watched him, who was quick, witty on the pitch, evidently a very good student of the game, somebody who was so smart on the ball, so determined to succeed, that the fact that he doesn't quite fit in the modern physical template, just like... Iniesta and Xavi and Villa and Messi didn't fit that template either, but dominated the world for club and country. Sean Maloney was a guy who I think was just dripping with fabulous technique, will to win. And in this episode of the big interview, some of those um, talents help him tell the story of his deep fascination with football, his ability to study the game better himself, to be inspired by those around him, whether they're fellow players or um, elite coaches. He'll tell us tales of great free kicks. He'll tell us tales of regularly beating Manchester United. He'll tell us tales of what it's like to be the assistant coach to Roberto Martinez at the very successful Belgium um, setup, up and have to go and make relationships, build trust with Vincent Company, Eden Azard, Formal, and the list goes on. Sean Maloney is an intelligent, likable, very interesting raconteur. Somebody I admire and It was fun having him on the big interview and I'll bet you that if you devote a little bit of time to this while travelling into work, walking the dog, running in the gym, I don't care what you're doing. Listen to Sean Maloney because it will pay you back in spades and then recommend other people to do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll give you Belgium's assistant coach, future Scotland coach, certainly future Premier League coach, Sean Maloney.
2: whenever I play against top teams and particularly Man United in certain periods even when I played against them at Villa the, the mentality of the of, of their team was, was so strong or oh, it felt like that being an opponent they, they were just relentless so even on the really positive moments they were relentless they never ever they ever never stopped. The second, the one with Hull was slightly different um, because of the aggregate score. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even the ones when we beat when we beat them with Wigan, so we dominated that first half, and then it completely changed after sixty five seventy minutes, and they were just relentless. It shouldn't come as any surprise because that club under that manager was they won so many things, and it was year after year. There was obviously periods where they did they didn't, and the team changed, but. Consistently they were they had a great mentality. And you and you did feel that on the pitch. Individual players, I know it sounds I'm being pretty obvious at times. Rooney Rooney at times the way that he strikes a ball was different to the, the purity that he can strike a ball with the power was different to how I you see things, you, you see players, you train my players. His the way that he could do that was very, very different to Is there
1: any way to define that?
2: I don't know, I, I'm trying, it's... Um, it, it, are you talking- No, not, not in terms of like, it's just the... Th- this was only what I found on the pitch. There yeah. were certain times when he would play really long long passes and it was a, an a, an a purity of how he was able to strike the ball was different to how I could. I could. I could hit free kicks or continually practice free kicks by hitting them in a certain way, but his was a, a different type of strike.
1: I'm always struck by the fact that taking Carlos Chiras's advice... Um, Alex Ferguson made a mistake in 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 selling out uh, Gerard Piquet after a big mistake at Bolton, but even Piquet then and now says that you know he'd been displaced as a youngster and not nearly as physically powerful as he as he became. He was displaced to right back by Vidic and Ferdinand. You know, it's not as if you were playing as an out and out nine r- right next to them. But what what did they have, Vidic and Ferdinand? Um, just, just before we get on to them,
2: there's something just. Carrick 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 was um, Was a Player now That when when You try and, When I try and Think about Individual players Scholes was Incredible In terms of Technically really Short passes Long passes He was Had everything Carrick was I think towards The end of his Career he, he got Even more He got the Praise that I Think he deserved Because even Even earlier on In his Man United Career technically So good The way he, Really simple Things where He could He could receive a pass and open up on both, both feet mm-hmm. and, and his awareness and his ability to play the ball behind defensive line was, was so good. Um, that was something that even stuck with me, the way that he could receive the ball, both, both sides, uh, very comfortable and all he needed was a yard and he always looked to play forward. Um, he must have been brilliant to play with. In terms of the two centre-backs, um, and even, even as a theme with Man United centre-backs, they're really, really brave. So they're, they're comfortable defending 1v1 and this is some of the things I guess you see with some of the bigger teams, Barcelona particularly, when, when a centre-back, if one of the four players does drop into a deeper area, uh, the defenders are very aggressive to go with them and that might leave um, at times the, the, their partner then having to defend a 1v1 in a wider area, but the, the mentality to do that was they're so aggressive, willing to do that, backed himself in a 1v1. Taking
1: risks, but proper creative... Tactical risks.
2: Yeah, so you wouldn't want to. I'm sure the coach wouldn't think it was a risk, or they wouldn't want it. But it was. It was. They didn't see it as a risk. It feels like risk management. So yeah, yeah. So once when that when that sort of um, when that moment in the game happened, I'm sure there was other players then would take up certain positions. But but in terms of that one v one defending, not just Ferdinand, but it's just was something in top teams. So when you play, lucky enough to work you with know, them now, you play with like um, Vincent uh, Vincent Company. You play against um, some of the really top defenders they just they'll defend you, if, you if, they want, if they have to defend you 1v1 they'll defend you 1v1 mm. and they're very aggressive very confident at dealing with you they, they will back themselves to do that and that's something I found pretty early on when playing against elite teams
1: we we're lucky enough to have sponsors on the Bet365 and they ask me and they always send in questions you still hold the accolade of being the only player to win both the SPFA player of the year and young player of the year in the same season do you see anybody currently most likely to, to equal that record?
2: For sure, you could see Kieran Tierney doing that. I don't know how old he is now. Um, but yeah, um, the level, he struggled with injuries the last few months, but the level he was at, yeah, definitely, young player, senior player. I, 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 it would, wouldn't be a huge surprise if he, if he did manage to do that in the next season or so.
1: Now, you must have worked around him in the last stages of coming out. Just because he's somebody I hugely admire, and I know. That sorry, Andy. Um, I know that Liverpool were uh, were fifty-fifty about whether to purchase Andy or whether to purchase Tierney, and that I'm sure that given that Andy's gone on to be an outrageous success and the most popular player of this, is Kenny Kenny show. or whatever it is, it certainly seems that way. Tierney certainly looks to me to be an elite footballer, not even necessarily just an elite full back. Just tell us a little bit about him. So working
2: working with the reserves, I didn't get to work with him too much. Uh, so when I was with Celtic, he was obviously first team player. Towards the end of my Scotland career, he started to come into the squad. He's got amazing heart. Uh, again, when you speak about or when I spoke about the top defenders, Keaven shows similar traits in terms of backing himself one v one. Very very aggressive, technically very sound, really good, really good speed. So and that's even in the attacking area. Mm-hmm. Um, for Celtic, he's been a really big outlet at times in that left side, uh, particularly the first season under Brendan when they played that sort of system where he was really, really high. He was exceptional. But he, he's also got a like massive Celtic fan, obviously, but behind that, his work rate actually at the training the training ground works with the coaches extremely hard to actually become a better defender um, in terms of his positioning and technically and things. So, yeah, I'd probably agree He he looks he looks like that elite defender that... That we speak about.
1: I'm thrilled to hear about a Scot like that. It certainly, you talked about um, the success of Andy Jamie, helping you or inspiring you or convincing you. I find that. I must say, I find that. I love seeing Scottish talent in any field coming through and proving itself. It's it focuses me too for sure. Um, I'm not sure if you came across a rather unique. You meant I mean because Michael was a guest in this too. So I really love the places you're going to with your the people you speak about. Um, There's this very special talent, Tommy Wilson over at Philadelphia Union. Now, I don't know if you met him when you when you played them, and I think Drew with them, but you're going to get away with me not doing the Sinatra version of Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town. The North American experience, would you recommend it? <clears throat> what was it like?
2: It was... I um, absolutely loved... I think it was, I was only there eight or nine months. Yeah. Um, I wish... I, I absolutely loved living in Chicago. It was just a, a city I'd never been before, but I just fell in love with it when I was there the cold weather and stuff like that didn't bother me in the winter it was harsh it's it, quite cold isn't it yeah I mean, it gets, it gets really it's
1: about it yeah it gets
2: really cold I uh, found that the first day landing. landed so you get
1: two Scots talking about something really <laughs> cold That's yeah. a kind of, that should be a, literally a meteorological greeting. Scots say it's cold
2: <laughs> <laughs> it should be because it was uh, yeah I got a bit of a rude awakening when I landed um, I love the city um, the club was Club was in a real um, real difficult place. And the timing, the timing looking back now, it was really poor timing for me. I should have, um, we were right in the middle of a campaign and then my, my big motivation was the national team at that point. Yeah. And um, the league, I love the league. I love travelling. I love going to different cities. Um, the league's good. I found the standard really good. Um, I would definitely recommend it. I just, I just, this was only personal. Um, I've started to, I spoke about travel not being an issue earlier, but the length of travel I, I found difficult for international games. I think um, it was the first 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 campaign uh, first meet up. Sorry, was in March. I think we were pl- we were playing San Jose away, so I had
1: to fly from. I think I
2: flew from San Francisco.
1: Yeah. So you, you Chicago to California to play yeah. the match, and then up from San Jose to San Francisco to fly to Scotland. Yeah, it was. I think it was a, it was a Sunday order.
2: match, and it was. Um, I had to go straight to the airport from the game, and then my flight was. 11 o'clock that night Arrived I'm not even sure What day I arrived And I think I, I just I just could not Shake uh, The jet lag before yeah. And I was really Not fortunate But we played a friendly Against Northern Ireland I played a half That was okay But I still couldn't sh- uh, Shake the jet, jet lag from We played Gibraltar At home Which Just um, we, we won the game Pretty comfortably But I remember In the second half Just thinking this this isn't the, the travelling that took that much of a toll, and that was in a game where we we won six one, and and then realised that this this was going to be very difficult for me travel wise. And Scotland were amazing; they did everything they could. And, and fairness for so the Chicago, but it was I found it physically tough.
1: Jet lag on an athlete—what is that exactly? It's not solely the lack of sleep, is it? Is it disorientation, or why would your energy levels be so depleted?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I've not really spoke too too much about this. You, you mentioned the word disoriented I did I did feel that in training and um it yeah. was really strange I, I, I'm I, I, I'd love to speak to someone who actually knows to exactly, it, yeah, yeah to understand exactly why I felt that way but that was something that um I, that was a big way, like a big moment that I thought this is because we were close we were on the verge yeah. of making playoffs and Unfortunately we didn't get that far but I really thought that this was this was um I had I had to make a decision I loved living in Chicago the first few months the team were, were good we our, our objective was to make the playoffs we were there and then unfortunately the last few months it, it, we it went it went really sort of downhill with the, the team but I, I would have loved to have stayed for the three years the two years but at that moment my, my biggest motivation was the national team
1: you're a good pro I mean a clearly a good dedicated pro and into making the best out of all your talents but I mean tell the truth when you play for Chicago and you look at the the schedule and you think oh in two weeks time I'm going to be flying into Phoenix and in three weeks time I'm going to be flying into New York and then four weeks time I'm going to be flying into LA I just must be a thrill in that my work is going to take me to sort of every major American city, we're going to be flying and in luxury, we're going to be picked up and driven uh, across the town. And oh,
2: definitely oh. wasn't luxury. The flights, the flights are all just standard, standard flights. Um, but you're right; like that was a big part of me going. I wanted some completely new experience. I spoke to the owner, of Chicago, and just I was, I was in, I was all in. I wanted to improve because it was a, the club have got a history. Of the last few years of finishing bottom, second bottom. Owner was so enthusiastic. Still really like him, and I. I Bought into where we wanted to take the club, and and these new cities playing. I think the first away game was LA Galaxy. That was um, you got to play against Robbie Keane. Yeah, we got to play in the Yankee Stadium um, against New York City. Beat them? Uh, no, drew to all we lost. um right. lost a you had one two know win against them. I think that might be one stage. Uh, that might be at home. It was at home. Okay, away away we draw. I think we lost the last minute goal. Um, but th- this was all part of a uh, new. Uh, completely new experience but at, during all that club my, my soul my, not my soul but my biggest motivation was the national team I was mm. really that was the that playing for the country was the, the gave me the, the greatest satisfaction
1: you weren't disorientated or jet lagged on the day of the free kick um, that lovely routine. Ah, uh, oh, the wins, corner. Yeah, well, pardon me, freak, dead ball, I meant. Yeah, sorry, no. I misspoke, as they That's say. That's okay. Like, in modern political terms, I'll have to go on opera and, and bear my soul and apologise <laughs> now. Yeah, th- that was, a, I mean, irrespective of me being a proud Scot and loving Scotland winning, I love beauty in football and I love intelligence and wit. What was the genesis of that and how much did you involve yourself in the planning of it? G- give me from the birth... To the for the gestation to the birth.
2: Um. So the pre pre match, so the day before the game would have been Stuart McCall was on uh, the set plays, um, and he'd he'd spotted a weakness in um, in the Irish setup on short corners. So we we went through different routines and different scenarios that he thought could work. If once it was Anya that played the short corner, or played the short corner, so I went around Anya, and it was um. So you'd go through different scenarios and I think, I think what I'm learning now is, is that's, that's great. You, and the good thing about Stuart at the time, I don't know if he realised, but it was like you involve the players because the players are on the pitch. You have to. Smart. Yeah, you have to. That's,
1: it's not, not handing down orders, do this, build them into the process, right?
2: You have to. It's, yeah. it's not about the coach. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's, it's true. So he gave us that sort of, empowered us on the pitch because what we, what we practised on, on the training pitch, it wasn't exactly how we thought it was going to work out. But that's that's okay, that's sport, that's why you open it up to the players. So because they have to find the solution on the pitch to certain to certain problems. And that's just what happened that time, in that moment. So we knew Scott would come Scott Brown would come into the box at that period of time. But in Fairness Thailand they were they were better defending the we thought we could create a two V one in the wider area straight from the corner. They didn't, they brought somebody out. But we managed to get it through to Scott Brown and it was a brilliant layoff and then and then yeah, just the finish was there. It was really the only place that you could finish, um, and it it went in, and it was it was a real special moment because um, mm. at that period of time in the in that campaign under, Gord, under Gordon in that first half of the campaign was so when I mentioned um, Wigan and how we dominant we felt against United for that one half and that's one half of our yeah, career, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. we I, I felt for Scotland we went to Poland we played I felt similar to. I got similar feelings to that Man United game where we dominated Poland for large parts and we dominated them with possession and a really structured possession and we scored really good goals on, and I just felt that that at that period of time we were playing a certain a certain style of football and a certain certain style of play that we were we were really we were going to this was going to be our moment exactly. yeah, and it was happening yeah and it's sort of that Ireland game. big pressure on that game it was at Celtic Park and it was,
1: it was an amazing moment. two questions one, did, did these things even with planning happen so fast that? As the ball, Scott Brown lays the ball off. Is it all automatic? Is there any room for sort of conscious thinking about the situation you are in, or is it only about angles and hit it off the right part of the inside of the boot? Or, or
2: no, I, I don't think I, 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 this is only. I, yeah. I, it just comes at that point natural. So you've you're in that attacking phase, and it just comes natural. You try and create, and um, I think generally with the position of the layoff... The, that finish would have been one that you would have, that I would have finished the training constantly there. When you're at that angle, the best angle would be the.
1: is the muscle memory or not?
2: Ach, yeah I'd imagine it just it, it becomes second nature. it must be because that type of finish from that area of the box is all, was the constant one that you'd finish would be the opposite side and, um, and it just happened that way.
3: only from rustolium Blue Nile.
1: As we're speaking, um, no, no, braggadocio no, on my part. Uh, Gordon's tracking that you mentioned is up. Um, Watching Athletic, uh, They asked me to fix him up to go and spend 3-4 days at Athletic Mobile to watch the youth development uh, at Lasana. so he's up there right now. He's also been a guest, I think he was our second guest on this um, series a couple of years ago. Now obviously he means a great deal to me because he was just an outstanding footballer and he happened to play for a long period of time for, for the club I love. Um, similar stature to you, similar ideas about football to you, similar abilities, you, you, you share a lot in common. He's up there because he's, he's literally building a thesis about development in sport, whether it's in Aussie rules or NFL or wherever a ball is used, basically, and he's travelled the world trying to build up an understanding for the betterment of Scottish sport, bringing it back to try and teach and open up our thinking. What I, I guess it must be quite an idiosyncratic experience working for him because he is quite an idiosyncratic man and I've said that to his face so I'm no embarrassment about saying that to you and you've smiled when I've said it. He's a character. Describe working with Gordon.
2: I loved, I loved working under Gordon. Um, again, very demanding uh, physically and technically. Really demanding. Had um, really high standards. Um, had a similar sort of idea or thinking in, in terms of how a player should treat their career as in, in their life and it's a real 24-7 so every day and what, what I loved uh, about Gordon straight away was that he thought he could improve any player at any age technically and that was a big part of our training every morning certain technical exercises and it was he was very he was adamant that th- these were to be taken like training had started this was it you're improving yourself individually he was he was the first one after uh, Martin O'Neill showed up a big sort of amount of trust in me to bring me into the first team at 18 but it was really Gordon that trusted me to be a, a starter and one of the main players and that was um, that was a big uh, a big hurdle for me to overcome and then L- latterly with Scotland like I've just spoke about he brought a, a style of play that we hadn't had and I, when you speak about him going to Bilbao and obviously he's still really passionate about learning and teaching I think the the way that he isn't with within Scottish football. I think it's probably just disappoints me slightly. Yeah. Um, I understand that with results and things, if people think that they want to change managers, whether it's the right time or not, that's obviously we'll really their opinion. That's no problem. But we can't we can't lose these people to Good, yeah. to the next generation of coaches, players. So it's the same when you listen. Or I feel the same when I listen to like Pat Nevin speak on your podcast. a Real intelligent man. Really like these are the people that have played. For our country, have got real, uh, real sort of ideas on football. We should. I, I, I don't think we should lose these to our game. I, th- I don't think we're in a position where, where we can.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. I think that whether each of those people appeals to the Blazers because they're spiky, they're honest, um, determined, and therefore some people who are in a comfort zone won't won't like them. I know who I'd choose. And it's like adding nutrients to the soil. And in due course, you, you know, I said that to you before, I I imagine there'll be a stage when that is you. And and the ground could be better prepared if if Nevin and Strachan are involved now, whether it be, you know, as technical directors.
2: You can find a way. So the people, the directors, the chief execs, they'll, they'll want the same things as what we're speaking about. It's just how there will always be a way they just have to find the common ground or they have to find or understand exactly what's needed to move forward but yeah these people um, Gordon, Pat and Evan there's others there's others that we've had players that have played at really high level that have coached at really high level we, we need to try and tap into the, the experiences they have to make sure that the next batch of coaches so this is me exactly and other coaches and that means that whatever what we're producing for the players it's going to be of a higher standard and and um, No, it's just something I thought that since obviously Gordon lost his job and Mm -hmm. and certain certain other people and coaches that we should really be trying to keep within our, uh, or within the Scottish Association.
1: Another question from our sponsors is, you were massive underdogs going to the FA Cup final of City in 2013. They asked you, what were your thoughts, what were your thoughts and feelings in the build up to that match?
2: In the context of that match, it was we were in the middle of relegation fight, um, and the way that the schedule worked was that we played a game three or four. We played Swansea maybe three or four days before, and after the Man City game, we had Arsenal, um, and we'd actually lost at home to Swansea, um, which meant we had to go to the Emirates after the FA Cup to win and try and stay in the league. So it was a real big disappointment to lose three two against Swansea, and I remember. The goalie coach is now the goalie coach at Belgium. He is, he's the best, the best guy you could imagine. And I remember him speaking to the group straight after that Swansea game about really trying the mentality of this group. The cup final, we would played Man City two three weeks before, and it, in periods of the game played very very well. So we knew that again, if we played our certain, if we played as well as we could. We would have, we would have opportunities to win that game. Less so against City than we did Man, Man United. We were in a different, we were in a different sort of place. We had a lot of injuries, but he, the, the speech after the Swansea game was massive. Um, in his name. He was, it was really like Swansea game was almost that big for us. But as soon as it was done, it was finished, and we were on to City. Um, the mentality going into the game was. Was relaxed. This is one of the things Roberto does: is that in really big moments, he's very calm, very relaxed, and it sort of emanates through the squad. We knew if we played in a certain way and as well as we could, then we felt that we could win the game. Um, there was definitely going to be moments within the game where we need certain exceptional moments from the goalkeeper, from Cal McMahon from in certain areas. Um, but yeah, we 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 had a we had a confidence that we could win the game less than what we did against Man United the year before, but there was still we thought that we could win the game
1: there were parts of the game where uh, apart from the technical match up of the two sides that it was it was pretty aggressive and pretty bad tempered almost there were parts when i was watching when i thought city simply don't like the fact you're getting in the way of their progress it, it felt
2: yeah so like city were obviously huge huge favorites amazing players in their team and they wanted to dominate the game, and there were certainly periods of the, of the game that they dominated possession, created a great chance early on. But they didn't—they weren't creating as many chances as, a, as they probably wanted to. And yeah, definitely in the last ten or fifteen minutes, there was um, the feeling—the feeling on the pitch changed. It became a little bit. Um, teams were less, uh, uh, less cordial. Definitely in some moments.
1: <laughs> I like the phrase "less cordial" because it did get. I mean, if, if I'm not wrong, Saba is another guest on this series, we've had everybody, you know, is sent off with six minutes left. Um, and I'm guessing that is, I mean, what? D- does that make you think, well, we've got an advantage of this extra time? Are you still desperate psychologically to win it in the 90 minutes? Is, does, it, does it initially make no difference when a good team has a man sent off and it's 11v10 because you all practice for that so much now?
2: I can't remember too specifically in terms of the that moment when he got sent off, how we felt. Because, because when you score a goal that late on, uh, I think generally you're starting to think about, you're starting to naturally start to think about extra time. We were very fortunate in the game, Callum... Uh, Callum McMahon was just outstanding and in 1v1 areas and that, on that right side we knew we had uh, a player that could cause some problems so if we, we still had the same mentality even late on that if we could continue to stop them creating in certain areas and we could get the ball to Callum and a striker Coney then we, we could create um, and I think that's where the last probably 4-5 or five minutes with Callum with the sending off um, and how we actually ended up winning the corner was we were very reliant on those two in that last creative part and that's that's how it sort of worked out. Even in that last five or six minutes.
1: Looking back on the corner kick, how much is natural? How much was luck about the time of the run? How much was practice? Because you work on your skills and your delivery.
2: Yeah, deli- delivery was um, div- delivery was was pretty standard. The, the, the sole focus is on the is on the guy that heads it, uh, the run and the header is just a moment of brilliance from Ben. Um, there was. The delivery standard, not exceptional, not poor. It was just a standard delivery. Did you
1: know you were putting it? Your no, you you're a player that him might like it. No, to no, no.
2: Um, I think Ben's even spoke at that period of time, 90 minutes or so. There wasn't um, a worked for corner. For me, a delivery at that point, as you try and put it in an area, and that area then produced an amazing run from Ben. And his header, Ben's Ben's header that day was just was a moment of brilliance for um um for him, from him and. Um, amazing story uh, that sort of went went with Ben making being able to to make that that cup final
1: well we're into the the, the final straight now before the next cup of coffee which you're due because you missed your breakfast to come here which is sacrifice beyond any other guest it's unknown I think or beyond how do you approach the task as a new um, guy at the level you're at in terms of management coaching how do you approach the task of going around and building relationships with Giants of the game like Azard or um, Lukaku or company. Whoa. How do you approach that?
2: Well, it's, on, it's an ongoing process, so it's yeah. not. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not like. Um, it's not like. I don't think it ever finishes. Just a couple of things that sound really simple. Just be myself. Just if I'm quiet, I'm quiet, which I quite softly spoken and quite reserved at times. Like I, that's me. I don't try and change to try and like maybe create a certain situation with the players. I try and always, I will always be honest, so when I speak to them or they ask me things, complete honesty at all times and um, and I said it earlier in, in the show, it's, it's always about the player, it's never about me as a coach, I am there to help them in any way that they need me um, I work extremely hard on preparing and um, having as much information for, for the group as possible. And really I'm I'm there at any time for the players. Um, if they whatever they need from me, then i am I'm, I'm there for them.
1: What are you learning from guys like Azard and particularly particular company? I think those two come to my mind. Azard because of his skills. Also he has a very unusual personality, seems to me that he he treats a lot of his game and his, his career for enjoyment. He seems to be a really a guy who's really fundamentally wants to be happy in his in his work, in his life, which I adore. Whereas it strikes me that company genuinely could could lead his country at one stage.
2: Yeah, very different characters. But we, we okay. that's fine you Ask about those. So there's other there's other characters within the squad that are just as fascinating. Um, but with those two, from what I've found so far, Eden is extremely relaxed off the pitch. Um, on on the pitch, he, it's it's a it's, it's a difference. There's a level of um, he takes a level of pressure upon himself because. To create one v one moments, the, that pressure is, is a lot for him. Being one of the elite players, so there's a real relaxed. This is only from a coach's point of view, here, yeah. and when I when I see him in the camps, really relaxed off the pitch, really humble, good man. Trains um trains hard, really open to to speaking about certain things in the team. But when he comes on the pitch, there's a level of expectation and pressure that he deals with and there's things he does on a pitch that it's just incredible to watch so you,
1: you, you enjoy seeing them it, it's, it fits with
2: what you like yeah but football. it's the same same with Vincent but like just in a different area of pitch and different different uh, different skills so the way that so you've got Eden's obviously just amazing attacking just some of the things are incredible real but it's like I'm very privileged to work with, with with the squad and now we're speaking about those two definitely privileged to work with those two like Vincent's sort of mentality is, is just incredible like you say, complete leader, very team orientated, um, wants the very best for his team, very demanding, technically really good footballer, really um, in all sorts of drills, very good technically and, and then you bring in the way that he can defend, it's um, just very privileged to work with him, he's been in, an elite defender for a long time now. So You,
1: you mentioned other fascinating characters, it's tantalising, what are you talking about?
2: Also, like different. So, just maybe just because I've n- never worked with these players, I've obviously seen them play for the clubs. Um, the men- the mentality of the group is different. Entire. I could go really deep into this in terms of the group and the group dynamics, the, the way that they actually socialise with each other is completely different to to teams, national teams I've been involved with and club teams. They're they're a really tight group. I mean, they stay for hours after dinner, chatting. Groups of them. That's something that you might think is a really small. Uh, it's a cultural difference. I don't. I
1: think it's really healthy.
2: Yeah, really, but really humble. All of them, like you, really humble to learn, take on board information, open up the conversation on different areas of the game, set plays, and when they train, it is like a hundred percent, hundred percent intensity, demand off each other, demand off coaches. It's um, and then as soon as you step off the pitch, they're that very humble relaxed people enjoy each other's company and then at times on the pitch you see things that some of our players can do it's just it's a it's a, it's a joy to watch at times
1: when they're opening up their ideas and opening up their minds to influences that that you and, and to bring presumably the lingua franca is english yeah and as much as they speak to each other in french or flemish <laughs> they're doing all that in a foreign language yeah um
2: it's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's um, you have to really respect um, sort of that level for the players, and because of the Flemish and French speaking, everyone generally speaks English. It's a real neutral language in the group, so so it's been absolutely no problem. I, I have to say, from coming being in a, a new coach, Teria was there when when I first joined. But for me, being a, a young coach, um, they've been they've been excellent to work with. Really welcomed me in. If there's certain information, I think that can help them. Really, really open. And on the other hand, really demanding of me, demanding of the level of work I give them, and it's been
1: just an
2: unbelievable experience. Um.
1: So I suppose the way to close this is, is with a joke, because I always muck about in these things. Belgium and Scotland scheduled to play quite soon? Yep. Yeah. June. Wait, how, how the hell do you think about that? Well we played like, well, my first game
2: my first game was a friendly against Scotland. Mm-hmm. That was my first game.
1: For all your professionalism and you're like, no, I focus and we'll do it. There must be a certain moment where you don't know which bench to sit <laughs> on where no, like, you're you tapping your foot along to flower of Scotland. There has to be.
2: The, the only moment um so it was leading up, no problem. I'm preparing to play Scotland in the friendly my first game. The only moment was when, when the anthem went, um, when the Scotland's <laughs> anthem went. That was something that um that was uh, it really, uh, really meant a lot to me as a player and a person. Um, so when that moment goes, when the anthem did go, it was, um, it was a very different emotion. But then it, it sounds, it sounds quite black and white. But as soon as, as soon as that's done, like I'm, I'm there with my team and I'm trying to win that match and I'm doing, and I'm doing my specific role to, to try and influence that.
1: Well that seems a very astute and shrewd and honest answer It's been an education Thank you for being so tolerant Thank you for explaining things so well You, you travel a lot You've been listening You know, we, Jamie got in touch because he listened Are you a podcast man? And I don't mean this one When you're travelling, what have you got? Have you got six pistols in your earphones? Have you got Y-Scout permanently on your, your iPad? Do you chat to the next door guy as you fly off to, to match? What's, what's the travelling thing for Sean Maloney?
2: generally it's um, generally I'll have a game on the laptop um, I'll be doing work if it's not work then I don't, I don't really generally listen to other podcasts apart from this music wise it's pretty eclectic it can go from indie to classical to back to indie to anything
1: in, from indie to classical that'll do me absolutely fine depending um, on the turbulence I think in this situation you're in the classical and I'm the indie um, Sean Maloney you're free
2: thank you very much <laughs> I appreciate you having me on yeah you. Yeah, yeah, fabulous
1: you enjoyed that big interview which was first released as an exclusive to our socios 12 months ago. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available it's time for you to join us to become a socio and for only £2.99 a month you will get an exclusive big interview plus regular mini documentaries not only all ad-free but all featuring me and bringing you interesting, funny, and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join, you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite, interesting, revelatory top-class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road, Interviewing people and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog, he or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead.
0: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project,